All right, listen up, everyone. Paul, Byron, and myself have been working so hard on putting together a platform dedicated specifically to yoga teachers. And the good news is it's almost ready for you. Soon, this platform is going to be publicly released, but we want to actually make a special offer to those who have been dedicated to following us since the beginning. So that's a lot of you listeners right now. We want to make a special offer for you. And if you are interested in being one of the founding members of this Going Pro platform, then you're going to have an opportunity to do so. All you need to do is just go into any of the description of any episode and you'll be able to sign up to the wait list for this Going Pro platform so that you can take advantage of this offer. We hope to see you there. By the way, Pigeon's my favorite pose. Is it? Yeah. Cool. Love it. Because it opens up your heart. Yep, in the long, yeah, long long term it does, or at least long run. Got to stay with it. Is the pigeon your spirit animal though? Really? Is it was it painful. That's why it's like that last question you asked about hurting and finding your edge kind of thing. Like, yes, that's what comes to mind. Is mm-hmm. pigeon was never never an enjoyable thing for me in the beginning. It was kind of like, what the fuck are we doing? I couldn't even sit still. I looked around the room and was like, how are some of these people completely still? Mm-hmm. I was like, I want out. I went out, I went out. And then occasionally I would hit this pocket of stillness that I could move deeper into it. And that felt like a next level. Like I was unlocking my new yogi self and keep doing it. And now I just look forward to it. Hmm. So I'm trying to do more of it. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Going Pro Yoga Podcast Nugget Series. My name is Michael Henry. And I'm Byron DeMarseille. In these short 15-minute episodes, we're going to be answering some of the most common questions in the yoga industry so that you can walk away with the answers in a short period of time. That's right, Michael. With each topic that we choose, we'll be discussing it from two different perspectives, the teacher and the student. I'll be approaching these questions as a physiotherapist or physical therapist with over 10 years experience treating some of the most common and complex injuries. And my guidance will be from the perspective of having taught 7,000 classes, roughly 10,000 hours over 10 years. Welcome to our podcast. To feed us all of the right answers, which they're always right, but the knowledgeable ones that will attract the most viewers and also send them on their highest path. And welcome to the GoPro Yoga Podcast. (laughs) That was our pre-prayer for this episode, which is all about answering questions that we just found on the internet. Some of the most common questions that are asked in yoga teacher trainings. So uh, we thought we'd just go through this list, start asking the question and then answering the question. What do you think, Byron? I try not to. Okay, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we got a few questions here. Let's start with uh, this one, which is probably one of the more common ones, I would think, is why do people get muscle cramps in yoga? Ooh. Ooh. Why do people get muscle cramps, period, is probably Mm. the same answer. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to go or you want me to go? Uh, Yeah, just initially, I think uh, dehydration... Um, is the the key to that well how do you fix that you prehydrate probably so we'll go into yoga be already feeling nice and um, full of water what do you think yeah pretty much i mean usually cramps from a science perspective cramps usually come from either dehydration but more specifically a lack of electrolytes those types of things which obviously gets transported by the water and stuff like that to your um to your muscles Mm-hmm. So, uh, and magnesium is the big word about that, but magnesium is just one of the electrolytes. So, if, you know, eating enough food and your circulation absorption of all that is going well, then cramps are less likely. Hmm. So, if you don't eat enough of those types of things, you don't drink enough water, then yeah, more muscle cramps are more likely as well. For sure. So, I asked, uh, I thought of another reason too. Um, 
evidently, and I don't know how to prove this to you, but the Ujjayi breath, the type of breathing, overdoing it will something about diffuse the carbon dioxide ratio to oxygen into the blood to the point where you'll cramp as well. Yeah, totally. Basically, you're you're not getting as much oxygen. So you'll have more CO2. It's kind of like doing breath work. Mm. And then your hands start to cramp and curl and all that funky stuff. If you've ever done breath work before, whoops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's the same idea. Mm, okay. So just more CO2 in the body. Uh, so I can see that happening. With the so you get some, get some of the good shit, but also have to pay for it. Yeah, basically. Okay. Basically. Right but on. you can prevent it with having more water, I think, and stuff like that. For sure. Um, the other thing that came to, comes to mind with muscle cramps is um, usually if you are using a muscle that you haven't used probably either ever or very often, and then you're using it for the first time. So maybe doing yoga for the first time. It's kind of like doing exercise for the first time or like swimming for the first time in like a long, in a long time. You start to use a muscle which might have gone not dormant, but like not atrophy. Yeah, not as used. Mm. So the circulation in that muscle is just, you know, maybe it's at 50%. And all of a sudden you start using it, and then all of a sudden all this blood needs to rush through and it can't quite get there. So the cramp comes from the lack of circulation to the area, the lack of use of the area. So that's another kind of like situational thing where if you're doing something that's new, like if you go uh, for a run and you haven't gone for a run in a long time and you get that cramp in the side of your body. Mm-hmm. that's basically the same thing, your diaphragm or whatever, maybe your your uh, obliques, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but something in your abdominals starts to cramp up mm-hmm. because you haven't ran in a while. So mm-hmm. all these muscles are being used, and it's like, what the hell are you doing to me? Yeah, I actually thought of a third reason. Okay. And this, I don't know, is is even true, but from my own experience, someone who's gotten a tremendous amount of headaches and muscle cramps throughout their life, mostly the younger years until actually pretty recently, have I put an end to it, inflammation of the stomach Mm. inflammation of the stomach right i believe will put your body in some sort of vigilant state where certain muscles are working harder for some reason and others are not and so by you know the law of uh whatever it would be called when you're balancing stuff out (laughs) the law of balance something's gonna cramp yeah absolutely and i think to take that a step further is that if you're gut health is not, or your digestion is not working very well, then you're not going to absorb the nutrients that your body needs necessarily. Maybe it's magnesium. Maybe it's some of these electrolytes. Who knows? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not using water as well as it needs to use it because of the inflammation and all that stuff. Therefore, you know, it probably circles back to that. Like your muscles aren't getting what they need because your gut's not working properly. Your digestion's not working properly. So yeah, nutrition in the big long term can be a big part of it as well. It might not just be some of these small situation things as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and overworking the muscle not recovering enough uh before you go back yeah yeah would probably be the the touch the last the finishing touch as we like to call yeah the the last cue yeah perfect (laughs) cool all right let's go to our next question question Um, number two this one's for you byron i could chime in though wonderful feet together or apart Man, I, well, I love the cue as a teacher, feet together, because it gets people in the ballpark of doing what you're asking them to do. And then once their feet are together, you can ask them to separate the feet hips with the part or whatever you need to. But I think you're asking me... Feet touching or feet apart. Yeah. It's probably what they're... So the question says that, but I think that's what the... So it depends what the pose is, is the first thing that comes to mind. And Tadasana, the, chair pose. Yeah, let's talk about it. So Tadasana, mm-hmm. you have traditional Ashtanga yoga or... I'm not sure how far back you can dig this up, but the feet are together. 
big toes touching, heels slightly apart. And that's traditional. I'm not sure if it's traditional <clears throat> exactly why it became traditional, but it is. And now we are more, because of people like you, Michael, we have a lot more information. And also, I mean, we're not, I'll get on into this later, but you know, we always feel like we're at the cutting edge of everything. Like we're always so modern. We, you know, we're going to live on Mars soon, but I also at the same time believe that we're not as advanced as we think we are. We're still, we're still learning. A we're lot. still monkeys. We're still monkeys. Yeah. We're still, we're still figuring it out, yeah. but we have figured out some stuff and a lot of it has to do with your knees. So feet apart would be good for your knees would be my first. Um, you might be able to speak on that a little bit more. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, feet together, feet apart, you're just increasing the stance, which is going to possibly challenge your balance or challenge parts of your body, depending on your bone structure. If you've got super wide hips and you bring your feet together, you know, there's going to be more adduction happening at the hip, possibly. Maybe that's comfortable, maybe it's not. Maybe it's hard to balance, you know, maybe stepping your feet a little bit wider is more comfortable for you. So I guess at the end of the day, it is kind of preferential depending on the person. And I think that's kind of why, or at least we talk about feet together, feet apart in our trainings to be like, you know, whatever. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter unless it's really important from a perspective of like, I don't know, yogi squat or toe balancing pose where it's like, it's kind of more important. But for something like Tadasana, maybe chair pose, I mean, depends on what you do in chair pose. Mm -hmm. You know, a twist I find is easier when your feet are closer together because then your knees can kind of like help to um, keep things a little bit more stable. Doing it wider might be just more more challenging, more, mm -hmm. stabi more stability building. I don't know. Yeah, and there might be cases where the, the feet need to be separated. Like a pregnant woman wouldn't be able to do many of the poses. Yep. And it's more comfortable. Yeah, it's more comfortable and also more comfortable for like a bow-legged person. Yeah, something, totally. You know, yeah. Something like that. Um, but for the typical... Or knees, knees together, uh, knocked knees is what it's called. So yeah. if the knees are like, basically what that is, is if your feet are apart, but your knees are touching, it's kind of bowed inward. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't bring your feet together. There's actually someone in our training that was mm -hmm. speaking about that. She kept saying right. like, I can't bring my feet together. So you keep telling me to do that. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's like, no, you're not doing anything wrong. It's what, at the end of the day, it's like, what's most comfortable for you? What helps you breathe the, the easiest? Yeah. You feet know, together, feet apart. If you're doing something with your feet together and you're like, my thighs are like smashed. I can't even do this pose. How's your breath? <laughs> you know, to, to at least give you an interactive way to apply this information, like just gauge your breath, practice yoga, see what works for you. There you go. All right. Question number three. Number three. Does yoga have to hurt? Hurts so good. Hurts so good. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well... Let's see. Does it have to hurt? No. Put the, put, uh, you put the pert. You put the hurt in purdy. In the purdy? You put the hurt in purdy. <laughs> is that P-U-R-T-Y? It sure is, purdy. Okay. okay. I'm from Oklahoma, for y'all that didn't know. <laughs> so does yoga have to hurt? I'd, straight up, I'd just say no. It doesn't have to hurt. It can be totally, and, and it also depends on what type of yoga you're possibly doing as well, I guess because um, you could be sitting there in meditation and ideally it doesn't hurt, but if you sit there long enough, maybe it'll start to hurt, <laughs> right? But the yeah. question is probably more about yoga sauna, like the physical practice pieces. Like, should you be hurting during yoga? Should you be hurting after yoga for it to, to actually have an effect? That's what I'm thinking the question's most likely asking. 
Mm. So what do you think about that? So you're saying, and this is the most interesting part of the word hurt to me, but you're saying that they, they're defining hurt as exploring your edge, kind of your edge where physical edge, where you're like, oh my gosh, I want to quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the more interesting part for me. That's the juicy stuff. But I think we should at least not brush it completely off that hurt and pain, which is the, in my opinion, accurate definition of it is where you actually feel physical pain. Like this is, this isn't just annoying. This is, this is actually damage or something going on. Yeah. This is like micro tears or excessive stress that the body's meant to handle type of thing. Yeah. This might fuck me up long term. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like when that red light goes off, it's really important. Uh, If not our first responsibility in yoga is to learn this so that we can take care of ourselves. Like what is, what is sensation and what is pain? those two things sensation is what we're about to talk about i think in a little more depth and pain is what we just discussed yeah is it a feeling or is this feeling like so strong that it's too much yeah and some people have a hard time knowing that it takes a little bit of possibly feeling the difference between the two if you haven't had a lot of pain or damage as we described already um, then you might not actually have a radar for that and i do know people who i've treated who are like 65 and like i've never broke a bone in my body i've never been injured and then they're pain threshold tolerance is like super low because they don't know what's damaging and what's not. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from that idea of like a massage being hurtful. Like, ow, that's too much pressure. Ouch, hurt. Which I get it. It makes sense for some reason in the English language to say it there. Yeah. But I don't actually, now that I'm thinking about it, define even maybe we're not using that word. Like, ow, get off my edge. Get off my edge, yeah. massage person. Yeah. <laughs> So to answer your question, we went way off topic, um, on topic, but, you know, took a detour. I would say, yes, people, um, well, I don't remember your actual question. (laughs) Does does yoga have to hurt? Does it have to hurt? The answer is um, yes. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. The answer to me is yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's because at some point it has to be somewhat painful to confront conditioning and patterns And sometimes that comes in the form of physical edge. Mm. Sometimes it comes in the form of just preferences that start to arise that you're aware of or whatever it is, you know, Mm. so many different things for for different people. So yeah, it has to hurt in the sensation way. Okay. If if that's it, if that's what they mean. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But from a hurt. So it's learning what that difference is. And then, then you basically know your answer. Well, I think I said in the beginning, it hurts so good. It hurts so good. (laughs) All right, let's go to number four. Number four. Ooh, how um, to align. Empat in, in Balinese. I just learned that word. It's four. Is that correct? Empat, yeah. Empat, yes. Okay, go ahead. How to align the front foot in pigeon pose. 45 degree angle. First thing I'll just say to cut to the chase. But um, cue it to say lift your right leg back and step the right foot next to your left hand under behind your left wrist the opposite wrist yeah yeah, yeah opposite wrist bring mm-hmm. your right knee to come touch your right wrist as you bring it to the ground create a 45 degree angle make the shape of a seven and that that's the safest way to cue it at least yeah yeah i think that's pretty solid some people can do parallel to the mat which are super open hips correct myself i can barely let my calf come off my thigh 
Like it's very, it's like almost fully bent knee. I can't even do 45 degrees. It's like 10, 15 degrees. Yeah. Right. So there's a whole range. Um, so the position of the leg is not as important as people think it is. It's more so the sensation you're feeling along the outside of your hip and your leg, possibly in your butt a little bit. Maybe even the pain you feel. The pain, the discomfort, <laughs> the hurt. Yes. Um, and that level, and that, and that sensation is really what we're, we're going for. It's not about the foot. It's not about the knee. It becomes about the foot and the knee if there's pain or this discomfort in those areas because then the position needs to be adjusted according to, you know, maybe it's 10 degrees, maybe it's 45 degrees. Maybe you're able mm -hmm. to go the full 90. Yeah. Would you say that it's a good barometer of, of kind of, you know, a gauge of where to adjust from squaring your hips, basically squaring your hips so that the center of your back knee would be down. You're not rolling onto one side or the other. You're centering perfectly. And then you'll kind of know what angle you should be at. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think having the back leg pretty straight and squared, then that will allow you to know approximately where your edge is with your, your hip or the position of your knee and, and your ankle, that whole kind of complex. Mm. Um, and cause you, I mean, some people cue it where the knee is slightly outside. So the, the, the leg would be the front leg mm -hmm. would be more externally rotated. And then I've heard some people where it's just like, it could be directly in line with your hip. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I guess it's again, situational. Ideally, I think to get maximum target of the area that you're trying to stretch that piriformis side of the hip, mm -hmm. ideally it should be a little bit more externally rotated. Um, mm -hmm. but again, situational. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on. By the way, pigeon's my favorite pose. Is it? Yeah. Cool. Love it. Cause it opens up your heart. Yep. In the long, yeah, long, long term it does, or at least long run. Got to stay with it. Is the pigeon your spirit animal though? Really? Is it was it painful. That's why it's like that last question you asked about hurting and finding your edge kind of thing. Like, yes, that's what comes to mind is mm -hmm. pigeon was never, never an enjoyable thing for me in the beginning. It was kind of like, what the fuck are we doing? I couldn't even sit still. I looked around the room and was like, how are some of these people completely still? Mm -hmm. I was like, I want out. I went out, I went out. And then occasionally I would hit this pocket of stillness that I could move deeper into it. And that felt like a uh, next level. Like I was unlocking my new yogi self and keep doing it. And now I just look forward to it. Hmm. So I'm trying to do more of it. Yeah. Yeah. Should we go to question number Lima? We can. We're number at 15, five. We're at 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's not go to number five. Okay. Let's wrap it up there and we'll do we'll do another one of these at some point. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you guys have any other questions outside of the things we're talking about, hit us up. We'll make sure to answer. Salamat Jalan. <laughs> Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. All right. Listen up, everyone. Paul, Byron, and myself have been working so hard on putting together a platform dedicated specifically to yoga teachers. And the good news is it's almost ready for you. Soon, this platform is going to be publicly released, but we want to actually make a special offer to those who have been dedicated to following us since the beginning. So that's a lot of you listeners right now. We want to make a special offer for you. And if you are interested in being one of the founding members of this Going Pro platform, then you're going to have an opportunity to do so. All you need to do is just go into any of the description of any episode and you'll be able to sign up to the wait list for this Going Pro platform so that you can take advantage of this offer. We we'll hope to see you there.